There are several thousand miles separating the southern Russian Caucasus region and the northeastern corner of Siberia near the Russian Far East. But they have been inseparably linked in the mind of President Vladimir Putin as he worries about Russia's standing in the world. He worries because in a few weeks' time, Russia hosts the 2014 Winter Olympic Games near the Black Sea coast at Sochi. Putin sees that the Summer Olympic Games increased the prestige of China when they were held in Beijing and increased the prestige of Britain when they were held in London. Putin wants to achieve the same result with the Winter Games in Sochi. But all over Russia, there are political prisoners whose incarceration convinces many foreigners that Russia, far from becoming a Yeltsin-style democracy, is, under Putin, once again becoming a Stalinist state. Recently, Putin decided that one such prisoner in particular would have to be released. On November the 2nd, 2010, Mikhail Khodorkovsky greatly diminished, some would say demolished, wishful thinking about Russia's democratic development. Russia's former leading capitalist, once its richest man, founder of what was formerly its most dynamic and progressive company, the oil company Yukos, Khodorkovsky did the demolition in a courtroom where he was undergoing a second trial while still serving his seven-year sentence for Yukos' alleged but dubious tax evasion. The seven-year sentence was due to end in 2011, so for the previous 18 months before that, Khodorkovsky and his longtime friend and deputy, Platon Lebedev, had been defending themselves against fresh and even more dubious charges of stealing oil from Yukos. They were charged with stealing 350 million tonnes of oil, 1998 to 2003, which, apart from being preposterous, was more than Yukos' total production in that period. The two faced a possible 22-year sentence, reduced to a probable 14 years as a result of changes supported by former President Dmitry Medvedev. Putin, in other words, seemed to be making sure that Khodorkovsky would not be able to wield any political influence on the 2012, 2018 and 2024 Russian presidential elections. But Khodorkovsky, as he finally argued in his own defence in this second trial, was not concerned merely with his own predicament. He also presented a searing indictment of Russia as a nation that has lost its way as a meaningful democracy. Strangely, while a few leading international newspapers hailed the speech, it went largely unreported in much of the global media. Perhaps this was because the wishful thinking about democratic Russia still held far too much sway. Perhaps it was because there is a widespread reluctance to accept that any Russian oligarch would subordinate his self-interest to presenting moral insights. Whatever it was, the fact was, as the Washington Post editorially noted, that Khodorkovsky delivered what is likely to stand as a historic indictment of the Putin-Medvedev regime. It was a remarkable and revealing speech in the great tradition of suffering ascetic Russian dissidents speaking truth to power. But there was another additional reason why I paid particular attention to what Khodorkovsky then said. 
It was the second time in my lifetime that a persecuted leader had argued forcefully that freedom was worth dying for. The first time was, of course, Senator Benigno Ninoy Aquino, facing one of his several trials brought about on the orders of the dictatorship which eventually assassinated him. Khodorkovsky started his memorable 15-minute speech from inside a glass cage in the Moscow courtroom by looking back, quote, I can recall October 2003, my last day as a free man. Several weeks after my arrest, I was informed that President Putin had decided I would slurp gruel for eight years. It was hard to believe that back then. Seven years have now passed. Seven years, quite a long stretch of time, and all the more so when you spent it in jail. Judging by the prosecutor's presentation now... Give them 14 years. Over these years, they have begun to fear me more and to respect the law even less, unquote. Khodorkovsky briefly dismissed his preordained trial, making it clear that, as in his first trial, he will not be doing a deal with the powers that be, quote, Nobody is seriously waiting for admission of guilt from me. It is hardly likely that somebody today would believe me if I were to say that I really did steal all the oil produced by my company. Neither does anybody believe that an acquittal in the Yukos case is possible in a Moscow court. Unquote. Khodorkovsky then tried to place Russia's recent post-Soviet past in positive perspective. Quote, I want to talk to you about hope. Hope, the most important thing in life. I remember the 1980s. I was 25 then. Our country lived in the hope of freedom, hope that we'd be able to achieve happiness for ourselves and our children. In some ways it did materialise, in others it did not. I remember the end of the last decade and the beginning of the current one. By then I was 35. We were building the best oil company in Russia. In short, we were doing all the things that the government-owned Rosneft, which has taken possession of Yukos, is so proud of today. The country was able to take advantage of favourable oil prices. We felt hope that the period of convulsions and unrest was behind Russia at last, and that in the conditions of stability that have been achieved with great effort and sacrifice, we will be able to peacefully build a new life and a great country. Alas, this hope has yet to be justified. Stability has come to look like stagnation. Society has stopped in its tracks, unquote. Surprisingly, Khodorkovsky admitted that some Russian hopes were revived by the election of former President Medvedev two years previously. Quote, with the coming of a new president, hope appeared once again for many of my fellow citizens, hope that Russia could yet become a modern country with a developed civil society, free from the arbitrary behaviour of officials, free from corruption, free from unfairness and lawlessness. Clearly this cannot happen by itself or in one day. But to pretend that we are developing while we are merely standing in one place or sliding backwards is no longer possible. Instead, the situation has become impossible and dangerous for the country, unquote. Dangerous? 
Khodorkovsky continued, quote, It is impossible to reconcile oneself with the notion that people who call themselves patriots so tenaciously resist any change that impacts their feeding at the trough or ability to get away with anything. Yet it is precisely the sabotage of reforms that is depriving our country of prospects. This is not patriotism, but hypocrisy, unquote. Khodorkovsky then argued that the significance of this trial extends way beyond his or Platon's fate, or even the fate of all those who suffered as a result of the massacre of the Yukos oil firm. Quote, Let us ask ourselves what must be going through the head of the entrepreneur, the higher-level organiser of production, or simply any ordinary, educated, creative person looking today at our trial and knowing the result is absolutely predictable. The obvious conclusion is chilling in its stark simplicity. It is that Slovakian bureaucracy can do anything. There is no right of private property ownership. A person who collides with the system has no rights whatsoever. Even though they are enshrined in law, rights are not protected by the courts because the courts are either also afraid or they are themselves a part of the system. Should it come as a surprise to anyone that thinking people do not aspire to self-realization here in Russia? Who is going to modernize the economy? Prosecutors? Policemen? The secret police? We already tried such modernization and it did not work. Unquote. No two definitions of Slaviki appear to be the same. So I looked up the definition of that veteran wordsmith, the late William Safar, who wrote that Russia was ruled by Putin's Soloviki, former KGB men and military officers, a power-hungry mafia. The word Slaviki is rooted in power. Khodorkovsky had no doubt what the Soloviki were likely to achieve. Quote, a country that tolerates a situation where the Slaviki bureaucracy holds tens and even hundreds of thousands of talented entrepreneurs, managers and ordinary people in jail in its own interests, instead of and together with criminals, this is a sick country. A state that destroys the best companies, which are ready to become global champions. A country that holds its own citizens in contempt, trusting only the bureaucracy and the special services. That is a sick state, unquote. As Khodorkovsky begins his peroration, he returns to hope. Quote, hope. The main engine of big reforms and transformations is the guarantor of their success. If hope fades, if it comes to be supplanted by profound disillusionment, who and what will be able to lead our Russia out of the new stagnation? I will not be exaggerating if I say that millions of eyes throughout all of Russia and throughout the whole world are watching for the outcome of this trial. They are watching with the hope that Russia will, after all, become a country of freedom, a country of the law, where the law will be above the bureaucratic official, where supporting opposition parties will cease being a cause for reprisals, where the special services will protect the people and the law and not protect the bureaucracy from the people and the law, where human rights will no longer depend on the mood of the Tsar, good or evil. 
where, on the contrary, power truly depends on the citizens and on the court, only on law and God. Call this conscience, if you prefer. I believe that this is how it will be. I am not at all a perfect person, but I am a person with an idea. For me, as for anybody, it is hard to live in jail, and I do not want to die there. But if I have to, I will. The things I believe in are worth dying for. I think I have proven this. And you, my opponents, what do you believe in? That the bosses are always right? Do you believe in money, in the impunity of the system? Your Honour, there is much more than the fates of two people in your hands. Right here and now, the fate of every citizen of our country is being decided. This is not only about us. It is about hope for many citizens of Russia. I know there are people who want to keep us in jail, to keep us here forever. They want to show that they are above the law, that they will always accomplish whatever they think up. So far, they have achieved the opposite. Out of ordinary people, they have created a symbol of the struggle with arbitrariness. I want to hope that the court will stand up to their psychological pressure. We all know through whom that pressure will come. Your Honour, I can imagine perfectly well that this must be not at all easy for you, perhaps even frightening. But I do wish you courage. Unquote. Those were the last words in the trial. Of course, judicial courage was not displayed by the imposition of a 20-year sentence. But the impact of that speech can be measured in the packed audience in Berlin when Khodorkovsky held his first post-release press conference. More important, the impact of that speech is also reflected in Putin's decision to release Khodorkovsky prior to the Winter Games in Sochi, and the fact that Khodorkovsky's associate and friend, Platon Lebedev, has not yet been released from that corner of Siberia. So, will the Sochi Olympic Games be the national triumph that Putin yearns for? <laughs>